Hello and welcome to Bright Wings, children's books to make the heart soar. I am your host, Charity Hill. The purpose of this conversation is to help mothers and fathers identify books that will liberate their children to embrace truth, goodness, and beauty. I'm reviewing The Giver by Lois Lowry, published in 1993. It's also a Newbery winner. Last time I read it was in fifth or sixth grade. So, so many of us are already familiar with The Giver. But I will supply a plot summary for you, and then I will point out some of the points of the book that perhaps you've forgotten. Just as a heads up, a little bit of a warning, I just want to let you know I'm going to be referring to some really serious, ethically serious things that the book depicts, and this might not be the best podcast to listen to around young children. I would say 10 and up. After I share with you a couple of, hey, that's good to know moments, I want to talk to you about the uh, philosophical meaning and some of the ethical reflections that this book provides for us and how you can enter into a conversation with your child about Lois Lowry's The Giver. So I'll be offering you some questions that you can talk to your young person about, even if you haven't read it or you haven't read it for a long time. The Giver is considered a young adult novel. I would say it's largely for 10 and up, and it concerns the life of the boy Jonas, who's 11 years old and lives in a very unique community. When the book opens, we think that Jonas lives in a utopian community. Jonas thinks so too. For Jonas and the reader, we think that Jonas lives in a utopian community, probably largely due to the fact that he has such a great relationship with his parents. They seem very connected to one another. and They they share their biggest feeling of the day at dinner, and the conversation just seems to be so such gentle parenting. It, it seems quite ideal. Also, we realize that in Jonas's community, there's no crime, no pain, no suffering. There's, they're very cheerful and orderly. There are no inconveniences, it seems. Everything has been thought of. Everyone seems to behave with consideration for others. There's no social friction. And if kids aren't allowed to choose their jobs, when they're 12 years old, if they're chosen for them and assigned to them, well, maybe that's okay. After all, they've been observed their whole lives by good and wise people. And who wants to choose their own job anyway? That's a lot of pressure. If you don't know what you like or what to do, maybe that's okay. But all along, the Lowry begins to wear away at our, at our sense that this is a utopian community. The opening sentences show that this is a world under control, and one of the first things it involves is the control of language, and therefore thought and behavior. All of these are under control in Jonas's society. Language, thought, behavior, choices. There's a suppression of desire. In fact, people take medicine to suppress their sexual desire. Spouses are chosen for you, and you are assigned, given children. You apply for them and you are given a boy and a girl. Things are so under control as to suppress nature. And Jonas who is gradually noticing these things. Jonas has always felt a little bit outside of things. He's good at everything. He's a great kid, but he's always felt a little bit outside of things. And he sees a little bit more than kids his age. When the children in his community turn 12, that's when there's a great ceremony that assigns them their work that they're going to be trained for as adults. Jonas is assigned the task of being the receiver, a role that he only begins to understand later. Being the receiver means that he is in training to become the giver. The receiver is the receiver of all the collective memories of human history. 
as long as these memories are contained in a single person, the rest of the community doesn't remember them, cannot enjoy them, and does not have to suffer them. So this means things like memories of Christmas, snow, sunshine, sunburn, war, hunger, family, grandparents. All of these things have to be born alone by Jonas and the giver. Jonas's eyes are opened to the fact that his community feels nothing and that their entire life has been reduced to a kind of sameness. As far as possible, all differences between people have been eliminated. There's no color. People don't recognize color. They don't see it. They don't have any words for it. There's no desire. There's no love. Jonas realizes they live a flattened existence, hardly with any emotion, really ignorant of the intensity that life really would be if it weren't for him. His role in a large way makes their society possible. Until he became a receiver, Jonas thought that people never left the community except when they were released. The only people who are ever released from the community are babies, the elderly, and criminals, well, lawbreakers. Sounds so benign, doesn't it? But Jonas discovers that being released means being given a lethal injection. Now, Jonas's father is known as a nurturer, someone who cares for infants, and they've been caring for a baby, Gabriel, at home, while Jonas's story has been building and unfolding. Jonas has cared for baby Gabriel at night. Gabriel's a bit of a high-need baby. He likes to snuggle, and he doesn't particularly receive comfort from the caregivers at the at the public facility where babies are usually cared for all day and all night. He prefers one single person. Imagine that. So it's determined that young Gabriel, who's cute as a button, is too much work and that he's going to be released from the community. This realization accelerates Jonas's decision to leave, to leave the community for elsewhere. If he leaves, he can save baby Gabriel, and Jonas can also release all his memories back into the community. He and the giver are quite convinced that the community can bear the memories together, the good memories and the terrible memories. They can bear them if they undergo them together. So the giver stays behind to help the community cope, and Jonas escapes on his bicycle with baby Gabriel. Near the end of the novel, Jonas and Gabriel are running out of food near starvation, and Jonas is communicating memories to the baby to console it in its hunger. At the end of the novel, Jonas discovers a sled, and just like in his one of his cherished memories from the giver, he rides the sled down the hill to a house filled with Christmas. Now, I just want to critique a couple of moments in this book. So Jonas has, well, earmuffs, kind of a sex dream. And I don't like that in his dream, the girl that he was dreaming about, that she was in this dream resistant to being touched. And Jonas, in his dream, was insistent about touching her. That's um, a little weird. So there's that. That could have been written differently. I don't like that their interaction in this dream was written in those terms. It's kind of weird. And then I will share with you my mom's critique from 1993 of a part of this book. She probably wouldn't mind me sharing it with you. She wrote an upset letter to my teacher when I read this book on this very thing. Um, so my mom's concern is that the giver transmits his memories to Jonas on his bed. He has Jonas lie down on his bed and he puts his hands on Jonas and then transmits his memories to Jonas this way. 
And she still hates this book for this reason, actually. I think she thinks it's too much like grooming for pedophilia. So it would be just one of those things that you would want to be really clear with your child about is appropriate behaviors with adults. You would want your child to be fantastically crystal clear on the total inappropriateness of lying down on somebody's bed and letting them touch you. Again, I think Lowry could have written that a little differently and it would not have affected the plot at all. I don't think Lowry herself is trying to promote any of this behavior, but I'm just saying we need to be careful about what we habituate our children to thinking is okay between adults and children. We don't want them thinking that someone, some leader in their community, uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying. All right. And then one little quibble is that uh, there seems to be a big shift in the narrative style when Jonas leaves the community. As soon as he leaves with baby Gabriel or toddler Gabriel on his bike and he goes biking away from the community, that the narrative style really changes. And I found that a bit odd. I remember thinking the same thing when I was reading this in 1993 or 94. It almost reads like a different book. Maybe that's intentional, but I feel like it, it gives a lack of coherence between those two parts. Well, all that being said, I think that The Giver is a great book for 10 and up, especially I think it's a helpful book for a child who's awakening to their power as a moral actor, you know, especially the question of justice, right? Especially the question that we call here on Bright Wings, what good must I do? And then it's implication. If I am to act justly, how am I to live with others? This is Jonas's question. And, and, and the larger question of the book, the organization of this community, how is a just society to be organized? Should we create justice by suppressing humanity with drugs and social control? So to think about this along with Jonas, what is justice? Aristotle says that justice is to give to each his due. Jonas's society was organized around a principle of justice that's a combination of justice being the will of the stronger, together with the principle of justice as being the saming, flattening of everyone and everything. Built into Aristotle's idea of justice that to give to each his due is fair, built into this sense of justice is an acknowledgement of difference. It would be unjust if I let my 11-year-old drive the car. It would be unjust to her and everyone else on the road. Another marvelous point that the giver makes, and Jonas sees this, we see this through Jonas's eyes, is that the measure of a society is its treatment of the vulnerable, especially the young and the elderly. Jonas's society is ready to sacrifice the goodness of individual persons, their very lives, to the conveniences and ideologies of the group. A question you can ask your children is, is it okay to do evil that good may come of it? Would it be okay to organize a society around what use people can contribute? Simply, their worthiness and goodness is measured simply in terms of their usefulness. Should we measure someone's value on a scale of convenience? The giver raises marvelous questions about suffering. A lot of book reviews summarize Jonas's community as being a people who don't suffer. I wonder. I think they do suffer. It'd be neat to ask your kid, what do you think the people in Jonas's community suffer from? Is the alternative better or worse? 
The people in Jonas's community don't suffer, or do they? <laughs> right? I think they do. In the words of Bono, the only pain is to feel nothing at all. I think Jonas and the giver identify something really truthful when they realize if these memories are released to the community, the suffering of the memories of, let's say, war are going to be easier to bear if all are sharing in them. That suffering, the worst part of suffering is to suffer alone, is to suffer pain alone. And joy that cannot be shared, doesn't it fade or become melancholy? And then Jonas, he is just a marvelous moral actor because he decides, he decides with his whole life that it is better to die than to cooperate with evil. Jonas sees that there are some things worse than death. It would be fun to hear your kids articulate, what is it that Jonas is affirming when he leaves the community? He's rejecting a lot, but what is he affirming? What truths, what goods is he affirming? I'd like to thank my friend Megan Edwards for loaning me her copy of The Giver. Just wanted to give you a shout out. To the rest of you, my friends, I hope that this book review of Lois Lowry's The Giver helps you decide whether this book is a book worth reading. <laughs>